2: Hello, and welcome to A Few Things, where we, the founders of the site of a kind, I'm Claire. I'm Erica. Enthuse about some of our favorite recent discoveries and go deep on topics we care possibly a little bit too much about, but just, just, just a little bit too much. Yes. All just right. Just a tiny bit too much. That's our new intro, folks. You're gonna <laughs> How keep, do you feel about it? I hope you like it because we're gonna keep doing it. Um we because have for the first
1: like fifty-five episodes, we gave a full intro into the entire site, <laughs> what we did on the site, then the podcast, then the newsletter, and it was like, like an el- of the categories of things we sold.
2: <laughs> it was like an elevator pitch, but an escalator pitch like yeah. a really long <laughs> yeah really long like a london ride. tube station escalator pitch <laughs> or that one at 57th street in lexington <laughs> yeah. yes for it just sure never stops.
1: for sure
2: Um, What's happening with our book club, Reading Things? Well, Claire,
1: we are reading Silver Sparrow by Tiari Jones, and we're going to be talking about it on October 3rd. And the first line of the book is, my father, James Witherspoon, is a bigamist, which is partly why we chose the book.
2: It's a great opening line. I know we're not doing listener. I Googled it right now on this episode, but I did. I was like, well, what is the difference between a bigamist and a polygamist? Bigamists, it's like separate marriages polygamy you can just, just be like married to the same marriage. person all in the same marriage yeah yeah that's my sense of things it was a cursory google search
1: so you're gonna do some <laughs> further digging i hope you i hope to get a full understanding of this on october 3rd
2: that will be my job i'll, Perfect. I'll <laughs> bring that, that to, to the table to-do list. Yeah. yes <laughs> yeah, please do. a breakdown of bigamy versus polygamy <laughs> thank, you. You're thank welcome.
1: you appreciate it mm-hmm. um Okay, first thing I wanted to talk about today, yes. hostess
2: gifts. Let's talk about it. I
1: feel like people ask us about this kind of thing all the time and I think we both have done a decent job with hostess gifts this summer or like
2: we have when I remember I when I remember to bring them. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I think a that's very the
1: first, that's the first, I thing. think it's a
2: very lovely, wonderful thing to do. Um, oftentimes I'm just stopping at the liquor store closest to the person's home and picking something up. But when I remember, well, but that's, I'm a, that's what a it. lot of people do. Yeah. And
1: that's, yeah, and I think that's totally fine in very many cases. So what do you buy from the liquor store?
2: Right, great question. So, if I'm not doing just wine, I do. I feel like it's fun to like introduce something a little bit interesting. Like people have brought really interesting liquor to our house, like Chartreuse, which I hate, but my husband loves. Um, I was introduced to tomorrow through a hostess gift. Um, I got really into pastis on my most recent vacation in France. So now I know you tried to give it to me the other day, and I was like, I don't like. No, I'm still going to try. <laughs> I, I thought about it again because I tried a different brand over the weekend, and I was like, like, maybe you're cool one. like this. Yeah. One, but pastis is a like a sort of like typically summertime drink in France that is anise based and it's um it's like clear but then when you add water and ice cubes to it as a way of drinking it to dilute it and then it turns cloudy so it's also a party trick
1: totally um
2: and it's just like something that i don't know i'd never had it cuz i think it's not really common in the united states so it's fun to introduce somebody to this new liquor that they probably haven't tried before
1: um I like to give port too I like to mm, give like mm-hmm. dessert wines or like after yeah. dinner
2: drink things that people wouldn't like
1: buy themselves and it kind of yeah. just like makes the night drag on totally. in a nice way like yeah. should we
2: try this now yeah exactly yeah, I like doing I like that.
1: that um and the one we typically buy is rp10 mm-hmm. um, and I also like bringing white port because people don't expect it and oh. it's a little bit less like yeah. a little less like raisiny mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. um the other thing that makes a cute thing, like liquor related, if you're mm-hmm. going to somebody's for brunch or like a weekend thing, mm-hmm. is Bloody Mary mix. Yes.
2: Um, Chris and I do that during the holidays every year. It hit like we do the Bloody Mary station at his grandparents' I house. Do? Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. And everybody likes it because then it, it, it is also keeps someone busy the whole time. Yeah. Like it keeps someone's hands going and then yeah. they get to like make a Bloody Mary for everybody. Like, what do you want in yours? Yes. And, yeah.
1: Yes. It's a yeah. good like
2: conversation starter. Yeah. And actually in Minneapolis, we discovered this um, brand. Of Bloody Mary mix called Kurt's special recipe that is local to Minnesota, I think, to Minneapolis, and it is so good. And I usually don't oh. like the like the Macaws one ones. is really good too. yeah the that one pickle. is good. Yeah, yeah. it's really good. Yeah, really, really good. Um, so yeah, just fun, and then you just like everybody can add their own toppings and whatever. Toppings bar. Mm-hmm. If you are
1: gonna bring wine, I've been bringing orange wine lately because mm. a lot of people still yeah. haven't had it. So uh-huh. good, so good. We're yeah. way into that. Yeah. Um, And then if you want to go bigger on the booze, get a Kingston Wine Company
2: subscription and send it to them. And then if you can't find a good looker store on your way,
1: you're still all set.
2: It's really, it's like a, a, that you can send people, you can, first of all, you can tell Kingston Wine Co. when you buy the subscription, like this person only likes whites or they really like bubbly wines or whatever. And it's really thoughtful and they send recipes with the cards. It's very charming. Yes.
1: Very charming. Yes. Um, I also like to bring little like food snacky things, but not stuff that they're meant to, sh- people are meant to share. Totally. Like pe- stuff that people should eat. When you're gone,
2: I do. I I, brought, I I do like to bring um can't like candy, candy chocolate bars, and stuff because I live down the street from foragers who um, they, they go have, deep on they the go deep bars. on candy and chocolate bars, and it's all local, and so it's fun. So last time I went to Cincinnati, I was like, here's some Brooklyn chocolate because we've got plenty of that in Brooklyn.
1: That's cute. We also yeah. we also brought a lot of chocolate to your uncle once, and that seemed to really he loves him brothers. Yeah. yeah,
2: It's like um it's, <laughs> for him, it's like I don't know. He gets. Yeah, I think he secretly also thinks like it's not as insanely expensive in New York or something. No, it's just like like $12 a bar everywhere. (laughs) Importing
1: duties that are really... Well, because
2: it has such beautiful wrapping to it. It also makes a nice gift. If you... Our overmass brothers. If you know it's just not your thing, or that whole scandal <laughs> really turned you off. Um, another chocolate company that is so good and also sort of like single origin that has beautiful um, wrapping is Nate Miller. Did I know Nathan no. Miller? Nathan yeah, Miller. Nathan, Nathan Miller. Miller chocolate is so good.
1: Um, you know who? I, I don't even really like chocolate, mm-hmm. but I I follow Compartes on oh, Instagram, yes, they, mm-hmm. and because they just do such a beautiful job. Yeah. And this one chocolate bar, I'm telling you what, it's called Spring Awakening. And it's basically all the berries on the back mm-hmm. of the bar. Like, it's a chocolate bar. And then you flip it over. And it's strawberries and blueberries and raspberries. Like, it looks like a they're flower They're, like, freeze-dried or, or something. Yeah. yeah. They're really beautiful. Totally. You,
2: yeah. Those are gorgeous. Compartes does do a really bang-up job with their wrapping. Um, another one... Uh, that is just really, like, astoundingly tastes good. uh, Astoundingly good tasting? Yeah, that's it. Dick Taylor. Their, I think it's Peruvian um, chocolate bar is incredible. And then also, we have to shout out Sweet Saba Candy, which is the best-looking hard candy you've ever seen. Um, It's this woman who's basically, like, an artist and decided to apply her art to hard candy. And it's, like, way too expensive to buy just because you wanted some candy, but it makes the perfect hostess gift. Totally. Totally.
1: Two other food things that I Mm -hmm. feel strongly about, Schmidt's horseradish, which you brought me back from. Oh, yeah, that's so good. That stuff's delicious. It's really good. And it's just like good to add in any salad dressing or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Luxardo cherries. Also um, so good. Man, I know I've talked about these <laughs> at length before, but I'm not going to stop. They're really good. I'm not and you can
2: put them in a cocktail. Or you can over put ice cream. them in an ice, an ice yeah. cream. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it
1: feels kind of absurd to put them on top of ice cream because they're like twenty dollars a jar. So. Who says ice
2: cream is less worth it than, than but you're, alcohol.
1: but when you're putting over ice cream, you're putting like six cherries instead of like okay. two. You're like you're like you're like this is five dollars worth of cherries. On when this you scoop when of ice you go decadent, you go decadent. Yeah. You know, and that's why it's nice to give as a gift because the person doesn't need to know they're putting six dollars worth of cherries <laughs> on their ice until cream until they go to replace the jar. <laughs> yeah, that's it's right. true. That's
2: um, right. And this this are thinking of jars things. Another great thing that crosses like all, across all these categories is bitters. Yeah. Um, it's just like a fun, nice thing. I, you know, it's also good because if somebody's not drinking, you can put bitters in their um seltzer water. So it's just like a nice little yeah. nice little party fun thing.
1: Um we were talking when we were brainstorming around this ideas of things that are like that are substitutes for the classic hostess gifts. So one of them is flowers, which mm-hmm are always lovely, but it forces people to have to find a vase when you get there and do that whole thing, which is Mm -hmm. kind of a pain in the ass. And um, you had discovered recently some really good fake flowers. Yes,
2: this line, dear papery. It is so incredible. It takes fake flowers to another level in some sense it's like, um, like fake
1: flowers does not do it justice yeah
2: it does they're just like art artsy flowers and some of them legitimately do look like real flowers but I don't it's not really the point of the line she just does really beautiful fake flowers and also succulents and other plants um, yeah they're
1: gorgeous um follow her on instagram um, and we'd also talked about how a candle feels like a classic hostess mm-hmm. gift, but maybe there are alternative pretty smelling things that aren't candles.
2: Like incense like for incense. example. Because incense, it's not this is not your mama's incense anymore. Or not no. your like not, not your, your hippies hippie hippie <aunt's> <laughs> <laughs> incense anymore. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> incense that we have on the site, the Blackbird AI incense, is so good. I do not like incense and Eric and I were in Temescal Alley in Oakland poking around a couple years ago and found this stuff and I bought it on the spot because it just this AI flavor smells so good. I say... The biggest compliment I can give to any scent is that it smells like aveda, yeah. <laughs> and <it laughs> like aveda shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Basically, it smells like my childhood best friend's mom, <laughs> and that is the best thing I can think of.
1: Huge win. Um,
2: and yeah, it ha- it doesn't have that like weird musty sort of like sticky scent that that you associate with incense usually. Um, and it comes in a beautiful little matte like gold tin. jar tin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, I also like those. That uh, the, the panes for balsam mm-hmm. ones, especially for a holiday. That's oh, great. Um, just like a nice, like little,
2: and it's like really inexpensive, but super so inexpensive. classic yeah. looking. Yeah. And yeah, it does. It's good it, if you're
1: like visiting somebody's lake house or something. It just I don't smells know, it like a. It smells
2: like a fireplace. <laughs> it it, smells like a it smells great.
1: Exactly.
2: Um, we have a couple other really good smelling things yeah. on the website. One, the Waring Meyer soaps. Yeah. Also, also art so pieces in and of themselves. It's so, some people are just so. You have
1: old. to read about these 2 yeah. They're based in Maine and they had these really like sort of classic story design careers in New York and they moved to Maine and just like carve out this whole little universe for themselves. And they did this amazing roundup of 70s design books on our site that I'm obsessed with.
2: Mm-hmm. And they just, I mean, they make the most beautiful soaps and they just have a. Really wonderful sense of color and um, and so all of these soaps are, bars of soaps are striped, which sounds simple, but then you look at them and they're so striking and they manage to get these incredible hues and then they also smell incredible, um, so it makes a nice little gift that you really don't even have to wrap um,
1: and something else that I gifted somebody recently is our golda heba wood atmosphere mist mm-hmm. which is the story of this heba wood, I it's like too much for me. It's so amazing. It's a really old
2: Japanese tree, right? It's like a three
1: hundred year old Japanese tree, and they can only be harvested. You know, like very specific amounts mm-hmm. of them can be harvested because they don't want to. They don't want
2: to um, hurt the like the. They want to be conscious about it. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs>
1: why can I not think about it? They to don't want to hurt the tree. They, they don't want to <laughs> like hurt the population of trees. Yeah, okay. something like that. Um, I don't know why I'm acting like this is not a like a valid thing. <laughs> that it is a valid is. thing. Yeah. Um but it smells amazing. I have it. And it's this harvested stuff. very responsibly, if you cannot tell. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was a really eloquent way of putting it. I have this stuff and one, I love it because I it's not Febreze. Um, so that's, sure isn't. that's yeah. a big win for this stuff <laughs> that it is not Fabrice, But it's just, you know. Is it a though? <laughs> it's not. It's because it, first of all, it's like sort of a more masculine slash gender neutral scent than yeah. a But it also is. I have all sorts of scent stuff in my home but sometimes when you walk in and it's like you accidentally You need left, an immediate fix. You need an immediate fix. You left something funky in the garbage. This I this like really this gets used that. in that instance and it's not overwhelming or disgusting. It's an, and it's also again beautifully packaged. Beautifully packaged.
1: Um, something that I, after visiting my friend Christine in Minnesota this summer, I've been inspired to do Mm -hmm. is bring people games. That is Um, really good. She's like hardcore into games and Settlers of Catan or something is a really good one. But the one that she's obsessed with is Machi Koro. Um, Mm -hmm. and... She basically made us play and was like, I know you don't like these things, but like we're doing it, and we're just like going for it. And it was really fun,
2: and it would have been, would have been a good way to anchor a weekend. It's a really good hostess gift, because it yeah. does give you something good to do, and games are so good in those situations.
1: You know what I think we need to touch on before we jump into books? Yeah. The small kitchen tool stuff. I do yes. feel strongly about that. Mm-hmm. Um, something you reminded me that I used to give people all the time yes. is this saga form pasta, scooper, mm-hmm. doodle thing, and cheese grater in, in one, yes. um, which is
2: kind of a genius <laughs> that device. Is, I wh- don't know. When are you eating pasta that you don't always also you want don't cheese? you don't also need a cheese grater and That's, that you don't want to wash more dishes. No, it, I, I don't know. Never. Um, um,
1: and our friend Kate does has like made it her classic gift to give the zerol um, aluminum ice cream scoops, the ones that are yeah. filled with antifreeze.
2: And then and it's and then it's like have a sweet have a sweet life together basically. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. She said something like that when she gave it to me and Chris and then we put it in the dishwasher and destroyed it.
1: <laughs> don't put it in the dishwasher. <laughs> that's the rule. If you want an ice cream related thing you can put in the dishwasher. Those little Jenny's ice cream spoons oh, are Oh yeah. So Those cute.
2: that's a really good hostess gift. They're
1: they come in sets of 6 and they have like a flat edge to yes. them. Yes. And on the packaging, I'm obsessed with this, obviously. It says, let's call a spoon a spade, <laughs> um, which is just really <laughs> good. Just really good. Great.
2: Um, we also have a cork, trivet, and coaster set on our site from Caroline yes. Hurley that I have given to a lot of people just as like housewarming gifts or whatever that's really fun and colorful and doesn't take useful, up a lot of room. super yeah. useful.
1: Yeah. Um, OK, so books. Let's end on books. All that right, That feels let's
2: good. Do it. Um, something you're obsessed with the Two Hearts cooking set. <sighs> this Two Hearts cooking set from Juniper Books. So Juniper Books, you might know them because they make they take all of these classic books and put the most beautifully designed jackets on them and they um, sell as a sort of like package duo the Joy of Cooking and James Beard's American Cookery, which are these two classic tomes, and, um, and just package them really beautifully. And they have a, this band around them that puts them together. I don't know. I've given them as a wedding gift. I think they're just, just wonderful. Just wonderful. Yes.
1: Um, another good little one is Every Day, a five-year memory book, which mm-hmm. is meant to be a very light um journal um it gives you about three or four lines to write on mm-hmm. um and it's especially good for like new moms if you're totally. visiting to help them take care of their kid or something mm-hmm. um it's very low pressure I like that how That'd you be been
2: it. keeping up with yours oh terribly okay yeah I've <laughs> checked in on that in yeah. a while yeah yeah, um, yeah That's but the okay. people that
1: I've given it to, to they seem all excited love it. about
2: it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> makes a better the gift the moms, than a hobby
1: the new moms <laughs> who are way busier <laughs> seem to totally. be keeping up on it totally. so there's that and maybe our best idea so yeah. far is a pairing of the books of the two of our two guests that are yes. coming up right now. Yes, um, Grace Bonney's *In the Company of Women* comes out on October fourth, so real soon. Mm-hmm. And *Small Victories* by Julia Tertian comes out on September.
2: Came out on
1: September sixth. Yes. So together this so is good. how dreamy
2: is that I mean they're both very inspirational and aspirational uh, yes. I spent the weekend with both, both of these books and Same. was just like I have so many ideas for things I want my life to be and <laughs> the ways I want my life to taste <laughs> um <laughs>
1: We are back with two guests we are so excited about, the authors of the two books we most think you should buy this fall if you're going to buy, like, no other books. And you should buy them for most people that you know, I think.
2: I think everybody could benefit from reading these books. Let's just say everybody. Yeah. Okay.
1: (laughs) Um, Grace Bonney is the author of In the Company of Women, which comes out very early October. She's also the founder of a site called Design Sponge that you might have heard of. Mm -hmm. And Small Victories is Julia Tertian's cookbook. Um, She's probably written other cookbooks on your shelf, like, the one for um, the fat radish. Um, Julia, will you tell us what your housewarming
3: gift idea is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, thanks for having us. (laughs) No, it was fun listening to all your hostess gift ideas. And my favorite thing to give and receive is olive oil, because I feel like it's the thing that Um, like I always want the kind of slightly more expensive one but I'm like reluctant to spend it for my own kitchen but it's like the same as buying like a bottle of wine for someone like I'll spend the extra five dollars to get the really nice one so I think that's a great and it's also good like Grace doesn't really drink so like I'm more aware of like alternative
2: mm-hmm. yeah yep. yeah, and nobody's ever like I have too much olive oil
3: in yeah. my cabinet no, it's, no, it's like, like you're it always about to run out, out. Yeah. Yeah. I used to love bringing like for dinner and stuff like I'd, I'm i a big fan of bringing stuff for like breakfast the next day like good <gasps> coffee like stuff <gasps> like that but like I feel like olive oil is like oh you just put it in the cabinet like there's no yeah. work on behalf of the person who's hosting you so but sure. anyway I,
1: I've, I, I've done coffee like an mm-hmm. iced coffee jug for oh, the next that's day fun. before which like like you already make it like I bought the jug of iced coffee but yeah you could Totally make it. And yeah. It, yeah, but I like grabbed a jug on yeah. the way and I was like, oh, that would like, that's a nice thing for, <laughs> for when you're hungover yeah. tomorrow morning and exactly. have to clean it's the dishes. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. You guys get invited to a lot of stuff.
1: <laughs> I mean, these were calling, we're calling things for the last 10 years. Yeah, so. that's right. That's
0: right. Yeah. Um, Grace, will you tell us about your your new book first? Sure. Yeah. Um, so my new book is called In the Company of Women. And I feel weird explaining it to you because you're both in it. <laughs> you have a Which little bit of a sneak like, preview. S- it's so <laughs> honored. Yeah. Uh, oh, thanks, guys. Um, so I guess it's a big departure for me because I typically talk about design and houses and chairs and things like that. But over the last what, 12 years of running Design Sponge now, I kind of grew more interested in the people behind those things than Mm -hmm. the things themselves. And so I wanted to spend more time talking about particular women in business. And there are lots of really great books about women in business now, but I was starting to notice that so many of those books were focusing only on like young, thin, straight, white women. And those are great women but it's also nice to talk about everybody else who is not those women and I kept looking for those books and there are some books that kind of speak to that like there's this really great book for for young women called rad American women from A to Z and it's like a block print book that's beautiful but I wanted like more in-depth business interviews and Mm -hmm. I wanted people to be able to tell their story in their own voice so Mm -hmm. that was the general concept for the book and it happened over the course of two months which is a little so fast watching you put it together
2: I could not believe how quickly you did it.
0: It was Julie and I talked about this a lot when it was happening. Um, that I think the weird manic energy behind the book mm-hmm. of like we have two months to do this or else <laughs> um, that either really worked for everybody or mm-hmm. really didn't. And yeah. so people who I think maybe wouldn't have said yes initially kind of yeah. were like, This is out there. All right, let's <laughs> right. be a part of this crazy thing that's happening. Um, and so I think that worked in our favor a lot in a really fun way. And for people who maybe needed more time, it just wasn't going to work out. So I kind of liked the manicness and the creation.
2: Why did you only have two months to put it together?
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I Real was contracted <laughs> to write a DIY book, which is, uh, makes sense in mm-hmm. the trajectory of Design Sponge. Mm-hmm. And then I never wrote it. And I didn't write it for a couple different reasons. One, I tried to and then realized the goal of writing a book that would teach non-DIY people to be DIY inherently means that you're a non-DIY person me writing it and and then I thought oh well I don't actually want to do all these projects so I was going to hire somebody else to help me with the projects and then I really struggled with that concept of somebody not from Design Sponge doing the projects and then eventually I was like this stuff is online for free. Why would anybody Mm -hmm. buy a book full of this when you can just type in Pinterest and, Mm -hmm. you know, find whatever you want. And I really struggled with, is this worth the time and effort that goes into it? So cut to a year later, we'd already pushed the deadline of the book back a year. And I had this moment of, I just don't want to put my name on something that I don't really fully believe in just to like have another thing to put out into the world. So I talked to my accountant about what that would mean to return my advance and what that would do to my business. And it was not pretty, but it was, plausible. Mm -hmm. So I was about to turn the money back in and I talked to Julia about the type of book I would want to write, which Mm was a book about women in business. And she helped me kind of craft a Hail Mary pass of um, a one page pitch about the book and sent it to Artisan. And I lucked out and they were like, we love this. You can totally change course, but you have the exact same deadline. So (laughs) turn it in in two months and we have a deal. So I did. I had no idea.
2: You know, that thing you said about you didn't want to put your name on something that you didn't totally believe in. Have you done that before? yeah all the time it was I'm, spoken I'm like really it, <laughs> that's why I asked because I was like it had like I feel like we have in some level done that too, or just like gone down the road with an idea that we haven't fully believed in and the way you spoke it spoke it. you were it was spoken like someone who had done that before. like you don't really know until you've done it how painful it is and enough to like Be like, I'm not going to do it again. And how much of a disservice you're doing yourself and the project.
1: And you
0: have to do it. And Julie and I talk about this at home all the time. And we still, I mean, people who've been in in whatever their respective fields are for decades still make these mistakes Mm -hmm. all the time of thinking something feels like a good idea or sounds like a good idea. Or frankly, the thing I fall prey to all the time is just pressure from, oh, well, every other blogger slash lifestyle person is doing this particular path. I should do that too. Um, And I I frankly, I made that mistake by not joining Pinterest and getting Mm -hmm. into that whole world Mm -hmm. and really, really regretted it because it hurt my business to not be a part of this community that just blew up Mm -hmm. overnight. And I took this like principled stance against what I thought it was doing to the creative community. And so I think I always live in fear of missing out on something. Mm. So I've made that decision based Mm. on fear and I'm trying to get better on not doing that. So interesting. I feel like I, we might not have said something
2: really important that's integral to this story, which is that you two are married. Did we say that? <laughs> nope. Oh, sure. Right.
3: Didn't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> They're just pals who talk a lot. Yeah. yeah. No, you two are married. <laughs> yeah. But and it's it's also awesome to just hear these stories, which I think we both have in our own relationship too, of these aha moments between you and your spouse or your partner that, like, I think are such an enriching part of just like partnership of romantic partnerships when yes. you can have that moment where you're like I know you really well and I and in a, and outside of your professional world and I can see that this is not right for you and like this other thing is getting you really excited
3: well I think one thing that Grace and I like have to offer to each other is just being like present in each other's day-to-day lives and like watching when you are just thinking about doing the DIY book and not even doing it like you've You weren't in love with it like it didn't you know have all of your energy and you know passion and then when you had the opportunity to do in the company of women which is the book you really wanted to do it was like you loved it and it's like and it required you doing things you don't typically love like (laughs) leaving the house or getting on many airplanes um and but you just cared about it so much you still i mean you continue to and it's like i think both of us being privy to each other's sort of day in day out kind of moments and being both in this sort of funny position, um, of being able to be like both objective and subjective, mm-hmm. I, I think it just helps us sort of be really supportive partners. <laughs> I think
0: whether you're romantic partners or your like best friend partners yeah. or any sort of like working partnership or per- like personal partnership, you have the benefit of seeing someone the majority of a day. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think there's so much expressed in what ha- what actions are taken and what actions aren't taken and Mm -hmm. you can see when someone avoids doing something Mm -hmm. and Julia and I are both big avoiders of things and and so (laughs) I can tell if she's not doing something it'll just prompt me to ask her like hey how are you feeling about that thing that's not happening (laughs) is there a (laughs) reason why that you clearly aren't doing (laughs) is there like a deeper reason why it's not happening and the same thing with Julia where I was like oh I'm supposed to be writing that book I'm supposed to be writing that book and it wasn't happening and I remember at some point you were like do you want to write this book and I never even thought that it was an option to not write it because I felt so bad about like you know canceling a contract I put my name on and what does that say and I'll let this let these people down and it became this big thing of just not wanting to make people unhappy but I was really unhappy so. When you were
1: introducing the topic of your book I feel like you were doing giving yourself or doing yourself a disservice by saying like you're a person who writes about x y and z and Mm -hmm. you wanted to write a book about women and I feel like you always have or that's the way that your career has evolved. Did you feel hemmed in by this way that you had at one point defined yourself? I mean, this is something we talk about all the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I still do. Yeah. And frankly, like the doing press outreach for the book has been this interesting challenge of our original goal was to try to get the book placed in as many business magazines as possible. Mm-hmm. And that has been virtually impossible hmm. uh, because nobody knows me as someone who writes about business. And so it's been literally hearing people say like, yeah, but she's that person who has a design blog.
2: But see, I... It's so funny because I do think of you as someone who writes about business. When we were starting off a kind, we used to read the biz ladies column um, all the time. And there were so
1: few resources for things like that, that were real talk about starting a business, not this like Forbes, you know, let's talk about businesses that have $20 million of funding, which is a very different thing.
2: Well, and when you were like, I was going to write a DIY book, I literally had the thought of like, oh, right, I guess you would. (laughs) Like, because I'm like, right, there's that whole class of like, of design bloggers who that's what they do. And I don't put you in that category in large part, because I think having watched you for the last like, maybe let's say two years, I don't know how to quantify it. You have really made a name for yourself and just like sort of Uh, distinguished your blog and by talking so much about business and identity and the identity and inclusivity and
1: people and what
2: identity means to the design world and how important that is and to me I'm like you're a whole like you're this whole you do something like really intellectual and important and it, that not to trivialize DIY stuff, which also has its place, but I think it's it's like a different class of design blog.
0: I don't know. That's my. I mean, that's that's my goal, and I yeah. think that's something that Julia and I have in common, and we talk about a lot is how to use whatever platforms we have to mm-hmm. kind of broaden the conversation. And there's a page of Julia's cookbook that I really love. I'll let her explain. That's mm-hmm. that's about giving back and sort of the assumptions that cookbooks make that everybody mm-hmm. has access to food mm-hmm. or yeah. money to buy things. And I think bringing up those conversations, whether that's about design or food. It's an important conversation to have, and all of us are so lucky to have access to, whether it's a blog or a podcast or whatever it is, to have these platforms, to have those conversations. And so I think that's something both of us feel really strongly about. Julia, can you explain
3: your book? Sure. Um, so the book is called Small Victories, and the title is also very much the concept. So every recipe—it's all home cooking. Um, it's everything from breakfast um, to you know grains and vegetables and desserts, and there's a little bit of everything. And every recipe is introduced by a, am doing air quotes a small yeah. victory, which is like a, <laughs> I heard on it the in radio. your voice. Yeah, I heard <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> And the small victory is like a tip or a technique that hopefully makes cooking just a little bit more just accessible and approachable and comfortable. And then every recipe is followed by a number of what I called spinoffs, which are just variations. So the idea is like once you learn this small victory, not only can you make this thing, but you can also make so many other things because the sort of I'm doing the escalator Yeah. because <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the book sort of came from the um, just sort of this theme that I saw. And I was having these conversations with people over and over where they were like, oh, I wish I could more I wish I knew how to how to cook more things mm-hmm. and so I would say you know like so what what do you cook like let's see what we're starting with and they'd be like oh I cook these like two or three things like but that's it and I was like you could actually cook like two or three hundred things like I don't Based think you that. know it yet yeah because yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. if you just sort of switch an ingredient the time of something you know the vessel you're cooking it, it can become this whole other thing so it was this sort of exponential idea um, it's like the idea of teaching people
2: to cook instead of giving them
3: a recipe exactly mm-hmm. yeah Yeah.
2: that is yeah. very much how your cookbook felt to me yeah. when I opened oh, it excellent. I was so I felt Mission so yeah no I was like this is what I want my cookbooks all to be like where you're just learning the one or two tricks yeah. that are gonna just add that like are gonna type, you take it you through yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly no, I'm so glad because exactly. I feel like
3: I my sort of funny thing in life is that I write recipes for a living and I love writing recipes mm-hmm. but I never follow them yeah. Yeah. I never do either uh, so And I think being able to sort of give this book a very reliable, well-tested, like just attention to detail written recipes, but that also invite you to kind of do your own thing, like sort of giving instruction and the kind of like sort of jumping off point towards like intuition was Mm -hmm. definitely my goal. And this is your first cookbook that is like just you. It's just
2: you behind it. How was that different or daunting or like way more exciting than writing it with somebody
3: else? I would say it was probably a little bit of all of the above, Um, but definitely I'm really excited about it. I'm super proud of it. I think um, you should be. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah.
1: When Liz, who is our editor, dropped it on our desk, when you'd sent over the copy, there was a post-it note on it that just said, all caps, this is so good. <laughs> um, so that's, that's the quick <laughs> review. That's, that's yeah. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I'd frame that post-it.
2: <laughs> What's the one recipe in it that you want everybody to
3: know about? Oh, my gosh. That's hard. Um The one that keeps jumping to mind, which I don't know if it's random or not, is the, um, it's in the breakfast chapter and it's the chilaquiles just Mm -hmm. because I would eat those every day. Yeah, they're really good. And it's just, it kind of like, the story with that, so chilaquiles, if you have never had them, it's like you basically cook, um, you either like fry leftover corn tortillas or you Mm -hmm. can use tortilla chips, Um, just get them like a little crispy and then you cook, so you get them crispy or they're already crispy and then you cook them with essentially salsa. So you sort of, wilt them mm-hmm. um, to think of it like Grace is laughing at me um, and so they're green yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you um, eat them with like you could have like fried eggs on them cheese mm-hmm. like pickles. all of the above yeah all of that stuff yeah and they're I just love them because they really it's like uh, such a sort of lesson in like using something that you think no longer has that much purpose or life left to it and mm-hmm. giving it this whole new thing that's like even more delicious than what it, like it's basically chips and salsa yeah. but like in this whole new way so I just I love that transformative thing that happens them
2: yes, you also talk about how really old eggs are better as hard boiled for yes. hard boiling, which yeah. is another thing where I'm always like, are these eggs bad? When do eggs actually go bad? I eggs don't know. Like, last they last, long last, long a last a really long time. Like yeah. think of a confusingly long yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. I think you mean disturbingly long yeah. time. <laughs> yeah,
1: totally. <laughs> totally. Um we my husband and I made your actually he, not me at all, mm-hmm. made your um Julius Caesar salad oh, dressing awesome. over the weekend mm-hmm. and had it again last night. And it's just so good and so easy. Oh, I'm so and glad. he gets very daunted by new recipes that he hasn't cooked before that he hasn't like watched somebody else cook mm-hmm. and he felt very comfortable with yeah. Yeah.
3: I'm so glad to hear that. That's yes. actually a good story about this sort of like are you like enjoying what you're well, mm-hmm. I'm going on a tentative. No, tell tell no. us. But I've um it's one of my favorite recipes and I've made it forever and my dream is to one day bottle it and you sell should, it. Yeah. And I had this attempt at starting to do that, which was there's um this great kind of what do you call? It's like a fancy artisan fair. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, our friend Brad throws near where we live and Upstate What's it New York. Called? Field and Supply. Yeah, and I've never been, but like I always hear about over, it. Over, I think it's like Columbus Day weekend. So it's Brad, beautiful. You can buy like yeah. a four thousand
0: dollar leather chair yeah. next to like <laughs> he Caesar runs.
3: A fair um, showroom—that's the name of it. Yeah, Not like okay. it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like balance. Anyway, so Brad kindly like let me have this table at the thing, and I made all these samples of Julius Caesar mm-hmm. and gave them out in exchange for feedback. And I was like, I'm, I was starting to write a business plan. Like I was really like mm-hmm. going gonna, down that yeah. road. And then I woke up the next, and the feedback was great. And then the next morning I woke up and I was like, I don't want to start a salad dressing business. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like I yep. like giving out things for free. That was really fun. <laughs> yeah. But like I just had this very clear moment of like in the work to really get it off the ground, I was like, I'm not really enjoying this in this day-to-day life way. Mm -hmm. And at this moment in my life, I feel much more excited and passionate about sort of putting the recipe in a cookbook. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, Sort of, explaining why this recipe works, like hopefully empowering people to realize you can, I mean, it's salad dressing, it's not like saving lives, but like hopefully you can like make this thing that's gonna, you know, if it makes you eat more vegetables at home or whatever. And so I feel like that's my way of expressing that recipe right now as opposed to like starting this whole new business. But maybe That makes a lot of sense. Maybe one day. (laughs) Well,
2: it's interesting because you... You were trained as a chef. You were like you went to catering school when you were, I don't know, high school or something? Yeah, I took really, like really a, young, Well, I mean, trained is yeah. like,
3: I think you're giving it too much credit because I went for like a week. <laughs> <But> <laughs> like still, over the summer. You've been cooking yeah.
2: forever. Oh, cooking's forever. Cooking's your yeah, thing. But all of a sudden, yeah. you're doing a lot of writing, right? And it sounds like that's like these two worlds meeting is sort of where you're finding your passion yeah. and your energy right now. Yeah, definitely. Do you think of yourself as a writer as much as you think of yourself as a cook?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. I definitely do now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's... Like, to me, it's always that, like, if you, uh, you know, travel somewhere that's not in this country and you have to fill out the passport thing and you have the one line to say <laughs> yeah. what you do. And, You're like, like oh. and I, yeah, <laughs> my whole life I'm like, oh, God, this is hard. <laughs> so Now I'm like, I'm a writer and I, like, wear that title very proudly. Good. And but I feel like for a long time I didn't quite feel that way because I was mostly employed working as like a private chef, which is something I love doing. But um, no longer do <laughs> so I don't know if I love doing it so
0: yeah it was a poetry major in college. <laughs> it's amazing writing, writing is very yeah. it's very it's core yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um
1: you wrote a really interesting essay for self about how mm. when you finished this book you thought that there would be this moment where you would feel like triumph and like <laughs> gold medalist like I've done this this is a huge accomplishment this is something I wanted to do and you just didn't feel that yeah. moment um how did you cope with that
3: well there is um there's this books take a really long time to yeah. produce, um, and not just writing them, but waiting for them to get edited and yeah. designed and um, printed and shipped and all this. It's a very long process, mm-hmm. and so I had this, I guess I would call it maybe a little bit of a slump in between, um, kind of handing it in mm-hmm. both the writing and the photographs and then basically until not until now but like until this moment of it actually coming out and the sort of in-between time where it's like I've accomplished the thing but it's not it's out not in out the, the world, world yet mm-hmm. which is sort of it's just a funny in-between um and I just wasn't I've worked on a lot of other books but never as a solo author so I've never been the one to promote a book mm-hmm. so in the past when I handed in the manuscript or the final edit I'm on to the next one and life just keeps going and that was the cycle and for this experience it was like i handed it in but then i have this whole other job of of being you know the promoting person and yeah. yeah i'm yeah. promoting it and waiting for that time was just not something i anticipated or planned for and it it just really um surprised well, if you me you couldn't mentally put it to bed because yeah. it was just yeah. beginning in a lot of and ways and i felt yes. like i had this you know accomplished this big thing but kind of a big thing that Hopefully, will you know get read by lots of people, but they didn't have the chance to see it yet. So it was this just funny sort of time in my life. That was when I was like, oh, maybe I'll make, maybe I'll be a salad dressing <laughs> mogul. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I was Sky kind of, on. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I was throwing a lot of darts at the board. There was a lot of Grace was, I mean, has always is very helpful every single day. But in that <laughs> time, was very helpful of just like listening to my like long list of ideas of the day, <laughs> like, um, and just helping me to just kind of center myself to figure out what would be next. And in that time, what was really helpful was realizing maybe my own work wasn't what was next. Maybe it was I'm happier being busy and Mm -hmm. to take on my own book again, which takes all of me. um, Mm -hmm. I just wasn't ready to do yet. And I didn't want to set some precedent that I have like I feel like Small Victories, you know, took whatever, two years from start to finish, but it took my whole life. It took three right. years to make You don't it. want to set a precedent Yeah, you're going to churn a book out yeah. every two years. because I want it to be, yeah. like you were, like Grace was talking about with her book, like anything that has my name on it, like I only am comfortable doing that if I'm really proud of it, and I didn't want to rush into the next thing, so I went back to taking um, sort of um, write, like co-authoring work. I helped mm-hmm. these great guys um, do their book for their restaurant in Austin, um, and I just got busy doing work that wasn't really my own and it was the best way to spend that time and that was really helpful.
2: Grace, were you able to connect to that sense of that slump she was having? Because you had published your own book before and you were like, yeah, I totally know this.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think that slump is a very real thing that I, I find, I don't know if this is like statistically true of women or just Mm -hmm. the women that I particularly hang out with who Mm -hmm. run their own businesses. I feel like none of us allow ourselves a, to have time to appreciate what what we've Mm -hmm. accomplished Mm -hmm. for a variety of different reasons. Um, and also I think, when you're living in your, whether you're an indie business owner or you're like Julia and you're kind of like a sole proprietor mm-hmm. of a, like a freelance writing business or something, there's often, you're not allowed to have downtime because yeah. you can't financially afford to have mm-hmm. downtime. So it's like this concept of like taking time off to appreciate and soak in all that stuff. Like that's not a reality for most people. Mm-hmm. So I think this slump is a very real practical thing that you kind of have to pull yourself out of. And then it's mm-hmm. also this thing we don't actually let ourselves ease into Um, but when I finished my book, I think we did a way too long book tour and Mm -hmm. that was a terrible idea. Not, I mean, my publisher was great. It wasn't their fault. It was my fault. Um, and that was too long. I just never really let myself like sink in what had been produced. And so Mm -hmm. I'm not going to make that mistake on this book.
2: Were you to this idea of like how women sort of like react and respond to their own businesses? Did you see themes like that emerging from these interviews you did with hundreds of women for your, for in the company of women?
0: I really, I mean, I think the process of both from its genesis of like here's this idea I'm going to actually put out there and take a risk and being rejected Mm because I I have pitched business books before and they've Mm -hmm. all been rejected so (laughs) I have some some sort of like scars in that area so it was scary to put it out there and then in the production of it there was a lot of rejection and reaching out to people Mm -hmm. and that process and shoots that were supposed to happen fall through last minute and Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff kind of built up um but it just it felt like the only thing that I wanted to do at that point. So it was worth taking a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, I'm really glad that I did. And I think this time I was so focused on producing something that whether or not it did well, I would just be happy it existed so in the world. Of. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: How do you personally support each other through these slumps or through the sort of like highs and lows of working largely, you know, on your own on things? You want to answer?
0: I think, or? We, <laughs> I think, I mean, I think we do a lot of the same things, but I think we do things differently sometimes too. I think that My big thing, at least what I feel towards you, is to try to encourage you to just let it happen, to like have a down day or have a a day where you're like, I don't want to do anything or I just want to watch movies or go for a walk or whatever it is. Um, Because I think that's – I'm I'm just totally projecting what I want (laughs) to hear back, basically, (laughs) (laughs) because I have a really hard time like easing into that. So Mm -hmm. I think I'm always encouraging you to do that. But I don't know. What do you think we do? Yeah,
3: no, that's always really helpful for me because I'm someone who feels like if I – like I feel like I'm always like going on the wheel, and if I stop, mm-hmm. like, will I be able to keep going? Can like, I, get I feel back very on. nervous, yeah. to, mm-hmm. and if I stop, like, will I just collapse and the wheel will go away and yeah. no mm-hmm. more wheel? And <laughs> um, so you're like, that is always very helpful. So you're not just projecting. <laughs> I think. Um, I think in general, we both Grace and I are like extremely solution-oriented people, mm-hmm. and I think a big thing for I don't know if I always do this successfully, but I think just being aware that I'm not here to solve your problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being, like, I think we listen to each other really well. And I think, I mean, I trust Grace knows, like, I'm here to come up with ideas or help solve things if that, mm-hmm. if you know, if that would be something that's useful and vice versa. But I think really just sort of respecting each other's stuff as our own stuff and just, you know reminding each other we're there for each other but not like you know if you're going through if it's a logistical thing especially I'm like oh let me rebook the ticket and do the Mm -hmm, thing and mm -hmm. like I'm constantly like begging you like that I can go to the post office on your behalf mostly because I love our local post office (laughs) it's Um, a privilege and an honor (laughs) and sometimes you're like it's good for me to remember like Grace was like a fully functioning person before we met like she can take care of her own stuff and vice versa and like so I think just really just being there for each other and not trying to do everything for each other is kind of pretty key.
0: I think one thing that's really beneficial about having a personal relationship is that that person can remind you who you are outside of work and Mm -hmm. I've really struggled a lot and still struggle with like who am I and what is my identity outside of not just design sponge but as a person who produces content or organizes events or whatever this thing is like Mm -hmm. who am I outside of that and Mm -hmm. I think Julia is so so helpful in kind of helping me pull out of that and be like you know what happens on Instagram and what happens in a comment section that's not who you are like Mm -hmm. you're this person who has you know qualities that are maybe not always in that business and I think I sometimes see myself as how I imagine other people see me from the outside in and that's really difficult to overcome like I always think I'm a much angrier person than I am and Julia's like you're not that angry I don't understand why (laughs) why you always think you're so mad (laughs) but I think sometimes you know when you're not the archetype of what people think of design bloggers Mm -hmm. like I'm like oh well compared to that I'm like this like goth Daria person (laughs) but but like what is that yeah Yeah, and I enjoy both of those things but that's not how I am like 24 7 but I think that's it's really helpful to have somebody who knows you outside of work and doesn't care about what your work is
2: yeah so you guys wouldn't ever you don't think of
0: yourselves ever as like
2: collaborators in a professional sense <laughs>
3: it's given me a lot of understanding of of home cooking in a way that I just didn't quite fully get before because even though I love to cook I wasn't doing it in the day in day out way that um I sort of from what I've gathered I think a lot of my I guess readers do mm-hmm. <laughs> um so I think having a better understanding of that has been just really really helpful and in terms of inspiration like I the place I've always gotten it from my whole life was cookbooks it's mm-hmm. like I just I love them more than anything and that hasn't changed
1: um last last question before we go your like three favorite cookbooks besides ones that you, oh God. besides okay. your newest <laughs> one
3: all right Edna Lewis oh it's amazing the gift of southern cooking mm-hmm. um, very important book and just beautiful lee bailey's books but specifically country weekends mm-hmm. it's a little like looking back like a little kind of exclusive highbrow but they those were like the most influential books to me growing up and i mean i um, yeah i would say of ina's book i mean i just Love, yeah I Aina. want one I think I, I don't parties. have any of hers oh. which I
1: feel and I feel oh, like I, need I know what
3: to bring <laughs> 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 <as> <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to invite myself over but I have a gift for you <laughs> um I think I mean all of her books are amazing but I think parties which I think is her second uh-huh. or third book I would have to check that one is my favorite mm-hmm. which is like sort of menus or, or recipes sort of geared towards entertaining I think love that yeah I would say that is, but that's hard to choose but I'm gonna go with that okay <laughs>
1: um thank you both for coming on this has been amazing
3: thank you played right
2: into our plan (laughs) into this they really are both so good and like i don't know for lack of a better word life over